Hi everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Low Season Traveller Insider Guides. I'm Jed Brown, founder of Low Season Traveller, and this week we're taking a look at the French Riviera and the Nice Côte d'Azur region. Just two hours from the UK, Nice has a sunny, mild and pleasant climate during its low season in the winter months and provides the perfect escape from the grey, cold misery of our UK winters. I spoke to Nadia Graf of the Nice Côte d'Azur Tourism Board to learn more about what travellers can expect from a short break in Nice. Enjoy. So a very good morning, Nadia Graf. How are you doing? I'm very, very well. Thank you very much, Chad. It's uh, great talking to you again. Very good to see you. So obviously we caught up uh, two weeks ago at the meetings show in London. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we, we had uh, Nice-like weather, as far as I can recall. Uh, what's the weather doing this morning in Nice? Uh, it's very nice, beautiful sunshine and blue skies. And uh, for the last few days, we had a, a heat wave, but that has now cooled down a little bit. So it's much nicer now. <laughs> and how, how bad was it in the heat wave? Because obviously we, we saw that a lot on the news here in the UK yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, it was just uh, very hot and it gets humid here on, on the French Riviera. So it's, uh, it's this kind of, of heat where basically whenever you're outside, you're just dripping and uh, icky. Yeah, not, not the nicest. <laughs> in, the, in the meantime, here in Manchester, actually for the, past, uh, for the past couple of days, I've had to wear a sweater. I'm a bit of a wimp, I will confess, when it comes to um, anything slightly lower than sort of 16 degrees in the summer. But uh, you know what, you get, I'm, I'm almost jealous now. <laughs> yeah. no, don't be really. Actually, today we've got a beautiful sunny day anyway, so I'm um, going to make the most of that. So um, obviously you represent uh, Nice Tourism. Absolutely. Yeah. So um, look, for our, for our listeners that may not be aware, Tell, I mean, obviously, everyone's aware of Nice, I think. I'm pretty sure everybody knows Nice. But I hope. A, yeah, we should certainly hope that so. It would mean that I, I'm doing a good job. I don't, yeah, otherwise, I don't know. <laughs> but, but, but for those that have been uh, stuck in a black hole for, uh, for God knows how long, tell us a little bit um, about Nice Côte d'Azur, about the region, um, mm-hmm. just generally, if, if people weren't aware of it. Well, uh, we call it Côte d'Azur, but uh, basically you're, it's probably uh, better known in the UK as the French Riviera. Uh, basically, so um, in, in south of France, of course, uh, just uh, the, more the eastern side, almost on the border to, to Italy. Uh, we're basically 20 minutes away here in Nice from Monaco, about half an hour from Cannes, where the famous film festival is, uh, takes place every year. Um, and it's a beautiful region because it really combines everything in one spot. You have uh, the sea on one side, of course, but you also have the uh, southern French Alps on the other side. Basically just one and a half hour drive from, uh, from Nice and you're right in the middle of the mountains and you, uh, you're in the middle of the ski resorts such as Oron and Isola 2000 that are in over 2,000 meters height. And then you have, uh, well, the large city by the sea, which is Nice, that offers plenty of cultural activities. And as I said before, well, the, the, the proximity to uh, Cannes, uh, but also uh, Monaco and Grasse, the uh, world capital of perfume, makes it just a, a wonderful spot and very uh, central area where everything can be experienced in, in one go. Very good. And I, I mean, Nice is, is I guess, um, it, it's quite famous for its beautiful stretch of beach down there as well, which I'm sure right now is, uh, is, is sort of busy enough with lots of people out in, in enjoying the beach. Um, right. And along there you have the, um, and I'm just trying to recall, I was in Nice only once and it was years ago. Is it the Promenade, Promenade des Anglais? 
Right. Yes, absolutely. Uh, that's that's really what what uh, is most famous about the city. Let's say is uh, this quite iconic bay that we call the Bay of Angels, and all around this bay you have uh, the. Um, well, the, the walkway that is called the Promenade des Anglais, if you tra um, translate that, it's the walkway of the English. It was built with, uh, thanks to, to uh, English fundings uh, over a mm -hmm. hundred years ago. So that's uh, hence the name. Um, actually, Nice used to be very famous and, and uh, very uh, uh, acclaimed by the, uh, by the English, uh, especially one, uh, 150 up to 200 years ago, uh, when it uh, really became the hotspot for um, the aristocracy, for the royal families uh, to come and spend the winters here, because of course the winters would be much milder and much, uh, much nicer than, than up in the UK. Yeah, probably the summers are as well, to be fair. <laughs> um, but um, I suppose that, that brings us kind of quite, quite neatly onto, you know, when we talk about lo low season travel and obviously mm -hmm. that's you know that's what we want to talk about with with nice as well one of the you know one of the, the the key reasons that destinations have have seasons apart from school holidays is is the weather mm -hmm. um but now you know as you were sort of saying there and alluding to that you know the, the the weather that you have it's 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 never or rarely horrendously cold what what's it like in well actually when is the low season typically first of all for nice Côte d'Azur? Uh, well, uh, low season, if we look at uh, uh, hotel um, occupancy, right, I, I was looking for the time, um, is uh, from uh, early November till the end of March. Um, so that's uh, the, the winter season here. Uh, funnily enough, as I said before, it used to be the winter season that would be the, the high season uh, here on the Côte d'Azur, and then that all changed uh, in, in the 1950s with, uh, well, uh, the, of course, the summer holidays, uh, catching on a little bit of everywhere and uh, and also the Americans um, making the French Riviera famous for its jazz festivals, Nice Jazz Festival, but also jazz festival in, um, in Jouan Les Pins, etc, etc. So uh, yes, but um, coming back to low season, so it's from, from early November till end of March, but still, uh, uh, as you rightly said before, we are very lucky to have a wonderful uh, microclimate here. So it never really gets cold. Um, average temperatures, even in December, January, are around uh, 10 to 13 degrees Celsius. So um, at least during, um, during lunchtime, uh, very often you can still sit outside on a nice and sunny terrace and, uh, and enjoy your meal outside. Oh, nice. So uh, um, yeah, I, I guess that's, that's what makes it, it very nice. What I particularly like about the winter season is also the specific light that you get because uh, it's with, with the cooler air, it's just get, gets crisper. And so you have this, these very stark contrasts and colors from the blue, sky, uh, blue skies and blue seas and uh, the, the green of the parks and, and the, the palm trees and then the, the uh, red and ochre uh, yellow facades that are typical here of, of the region. You, 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 sound, you sound like you're, you're speaking like an, an artist or a photographer. Do you do, you oh. do either of those? Um, not really. I'm, I'm not, uh, not really any of that. But it's true that a lot of uh, artists have chosen uh, Nice and the French Riviera as uh, their their spot because it just. I, I think they were just inspired by by the colors and and uh, and the light that they would find here. And and typically, then, what um, you know, what kind of tourists do you do you get to um, to Nice in the in the low season? So in the winter time. What do people what do people come for mainly in the, in the winter time? 
Um, I guess it's uh, very often for um, a city break, a weekend break, uh, just to get away from, from their cold and rainy or, or maybe snowy weathers uh, and just soak in a little bit of, of sunshine, laid back atmosphere, just to uh, enjoy what I, I like so much about Nice also is that I, I like to call it the probably um, most Italian city in France. So oh, you really? get this great mix of, of Italian um, atmosphere and, and uh food and 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 yeah this this entire feel especially in the old town that was uh, still built when uh, when nice was not yet french uh, was part of the kingdom of piemont sardinia so you really have this strong influence and basically wherever you go and and whoever you talk to almost everybody speaks italian or uh, some still speak also the local language which is the niçois which is strongly influenced by italian corsican and uh, yeah I didn't realize that um, that the, you had your own language. There. Is it, so it's, it's widely spoken, Niçois. Yeah, Niçois. Um, I, no, you couldn't say that it's really widely spoken anymore, but uh, there are still some school, at least in, in the old town, that t still teach in Niçois. You have the local newspaper, Nice Matin, that brings out every week uh, a full page in Niçois, etc., etc. So we try to keep it up as a little local folklore, but uh, no, it's not that widespread anymore, unfortunately. Oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a bit of a shame. Now, I was speaking to a, um, to a friend of mine, um, and she actually works with us on, on Low Season Traveller on the social media side. Okay. And she's from France, indeed. Uh, she's from uh, Calais, uh, oh. Claire. So shout out to Claire. And Claire was saying that she's been to Nice many, many times and absolutely adores Nice. Um, and I, I think she possibly wanted to be on the podcast herself. <laughs> uh, but I was sort of saying to her, you know, what did she like about Nice? Um, and she said, you must speak about, and I'm putting you on the spot here, um, she had a famous ice cream maker called Pinocchio. Yeah, Pinocchio. I'm sure. <laughs> Pinocchio. It sounds like Pinocchio. Uh, she's saying it's the same family that have been running it since 1966. And there's nearly 150 different flavors. It's, is that a very famous, is that a, is that a must, must do thing in these? I, I guess it's a must-do, of course, uh, especially since they're also in such an iconic location right in the heart of the old town on Rossetti Square, basically across from the uh, the cathedral in, in the old town. And as she said, uh, as, as Claire rightly said, uh, there are some 100 and 50 ice cream flavors uh, that go from the classic vanilla and chocolate that you would find everywhere to some really, really crazy ones uh, like uh, tomato basil ice cream, olive oil ice cream, um, beer. Um, and then we have a lot of local specialties and one of them is Swiss chard pie. And then of course they make a Swiss chard pie ice cream. <laughs> so what's, what's Swiss chard pie? So let's, let's talk a little bit about the food of, of Nice. Um, what, what is the kind of tradition? Here. I won't stop. <laughs> really? Awesome. Well, the irony is I haven't had any breakfast, so I'm probably... What's kind of food and cuisine is, is Nice uh, famous for? Well, typically it's, it's, very, uh, it's a very Mediterranean diet. Uh, we don't have a lot of cattle here in the region at all. So we cook mainly with olive oil. As I said, we're just half an hour away from the Italian border and Nice only became French in 1860. Before that, it wasn't exactly part of Italy because the Italian state was not yet founded by then, but uh, was part of uh, the kingdom of Piemont Sardinia. 
And then most of the traditional cuisine was really uh, formed uh, around that time. Um, and so um, most of, of uh, the local specialties are typical uh, poor men's dishes of, of the region. So we would take uh, uh, produce, fresh produce that would grow like weed here, namely chickpea, um, Swiss chard, uh, and uh, courgette, zucchini, and zucchini flowers. These ingredients, and then of course also the local olives that we call, it's a, it's a specific kind that we call the caillettes. We make our own olive oil, we make our own olive paste, tapenade, um, and, and that makes for many local specialties. One of the uh, best well-known is soca, which is a huge um, chickpea flour pancake, um, so gluten-free. Uh, so that's just a wonderful starter. I generally recommend it to, to eat it plain uh, with a little bit of, uh, of uh, salt and pepper and ideally with a glass of fresh rosé wine that uh, it cannot be topped. Um, but there are also some local chefs who have now taken it uh, to use uh, soca basically as a, just like a base, just like a, a pizza dough, and then they will put some other toppings on top, and that is very, very nice too. So soca is probably the most uh, well-known local specialty, but then you have many, many others, such as pisaladière, which is an uh, onion tart, generally uh, done with anchovy uh, and with... Uh, with some black olives as well. You have stuffed vegetables, uh, so that's especially in, in springtime, uh, stuffed onions, tomato, um, potato, anything, you name it. And then uh, also, as I said, the, the courgette, the, the zucchini um, grow like weed here, so uh, they're used a lot. And we also use the, the flowers that we generally fry in dough or that we stuff and, uh, and they're served throughout spring and it's just uh, wonderful. Oh, sounds great, it's making me hungry. Um, <laughs> and Swiss yeah. chard is, the, is another, sorry, I, I, yeah. as I told you, I cannot be stopped when I start talking. <laughs> so, um, so Swiss chard is another very big component that is used both for hearty dishes, but also for a, a sweet specialty, which is a Swiss chard pie. So basically it's a, a pie in which you have a stuffing made from Swiss chard. So um, Swiss chard, uh, in case you shouldn't know, it's, it's close to spinach. And uh, so you make a Swiss chard with sometimes apples, generally some raisins and pine nuts. Uh, and you make so the sweet stuffing uh, in the pie and then some, some sugar coating on top. And yeah, it's, uh, it's generally an acquired taste. Most of people who, who try it for the first time are not so sure whether they like it so much or not. But then after the second or third time, they really started appreciating it. And I certainly love it. <laughs> where, where do you like to go out to eat? When you're in Nice, what's what are your favorite places to eat? Uh, uh, there are plenty of places, but uh, uh, I, I love to just go on the on the marketplace. We that, that's something that I also love about the city is that we have daily markets uh, every morning from Tuesday to Sunday throughout the year. Um, and so uh, on the Corsalea, which is uh, the famous market in the old town, uh, there's a, a soca stand, and uh, just buying your your soca for three euros off of there and uh, enjoying it out there on the street is something that I love doing um, and then uh, in terms of restaurants um, there are several others I, I love going for instance around the port and harbor area um, there's a, there, there are several fish restaurants that are really really good Bistro du Port or Les Pêcheurs or Anne Rouge are some very very good addresses 
and uh, uh, I also like vegetarian food very, very much. So there are more and more uh, vegetarian and vegan uh, shops uh, springing up in uh, all around uh, town. So uh, there's Vegan Gorilla or Coco Green or the, the Juice Bar Bada Boom that are some of my favorite spots, yeah. Now, I was having a look just earlier on at the uh, Nice Tourisme uh, mm -hmm. com website. Forgive my awful French accent. And I can see um, that you've got some, some great events going on uh, throughout the year. And it seems to be, these seems to be very big for these kind of, of events. Tell us okay. about some of the, um, if there's any particularly interesting events that our listeners might uh, or, or should be aware of uh, that you've got coming up. Yeah, uh, you're right. I guess there are almost more events going on in, uh, than there are days in the year. During the summer months, of course, there are plenty of music festivals, starting with the jazz festival that I mentioned earlier on. Uh, but then also in wintertime, what's, uh, what's great about Nice is that being one of the largest cities in France, we're the fifth largest city, some 350,000 inhabitants. Um, so uh, it never dies down during winter, as you would expect maybe from, from another beach city or, or city by, by the Mediterranean. Um, so there's plenty going on. There's a wonderful opera theater season uh, in, in wintertime, uh, also for classic concerts. And uh, yeah, so during the wintertime, you have some, some great festivals going on and sports events also, starting in November with the Nice Cannes Marathon, which I think is probably one of the most scenic marathons. Um. Now, to be honest, I haven't run any marathons. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just wonderfully scenic because it's basically along the coast from Nice, it's up to Cannes, these, these 40, 40 and something kilometers. And it's, uh, it's really, really beautiful to do. Um, and then uh, there's the OVNI Festival in, uh, in November also, which is an, an art uh, film festival. Mm -hmm. um, it was kicked off by a local hotelier uh, three or four years ago, I think. And uh, it's gained such momentum that now basically uh, almost every every uh, hotel, every gallery, every shop in town is uh, displaying some, some of it in, in uh, throughout November, and it's uh, it's something really really interesting. It's 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 grown more more and more important. In December we have our Christmas market. Well, it's maybe not one of those traditional Christmas markets that you would have in mind. It looks much more well. Maybe trade uh, for sometime your, your classic Christmas market for one that is under blue skies and palm trees with an oyster and champagne bar rather than mulled wine. <laughs> that, work, that works for me, Nadia, I've got to say. That's, that's seriously tempting me. And that, sounds, that sounds wonderful, actually. It's it's fun. It's fun, and uh, there are plenty of other Christmas markets or, or arts and crafts markets uh, taking place in the surrounding towns, such as uh, Saint Jean Cap Ferrat, but uh, also Cannes, Cannes, Monaco, that can be visited throughout the month month of December. And uh, if you want something a little bit more traditional, just twenty five kilometers north of Nice is a beautiful medieval village called Lucéram, where uh, they have a wonderful. Uh, uh, cribs path. So basically, every single inhabitant of of this look uh, of this little town uh, makes it uh, his own crib and puts it out for 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 people to visit. And it's just a very nice stroll in, in order to go through that. Yeah, and, that, and that's what twenty five kilometers outside of uh, Nice. Of Nice, yeah. Oh, wonderful. Nice. Yeah, oh, I, love I love the sound of that. Yeah, it is. It is something really special, and uh, yeah. Makes you feel like you, like you've gone away far, far away from the city. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, now, in terms of um, getting to Nice from the UK, 
Yeah. Um, you have flights with um, EasyJet, Ryanair. Who else have we got? Jet Two. Jet Two, of course. Yeah. yeah. Jet Two, yeah. Um, so there's uh, there's um, I think I'm right in saying there is direct flights from um, a variety of London airports, at Liverpool, Bristol, Leeds, Manchester. Um, so there's lots of uh, easy ways for anybody in the UK to get over to Nice uh, for a good weekend breakaway. And yeah. in the in the low season, of course, the the hotels are you know considerably cheaper, um, and I would and I would guess the flights are, are cheaper as well. Mm -hmm. um, and clearly, it's a it's a wonderful destination to get away to in the low season. Um, and I'm certainly tempted by the Christmas markets. Just because that, <laughs> that sounds like it's my my kind of Christmas market. You know, champagne, <laughs> champagne, and oysters. <laughs> I think that ticks quite a few boxes for them. <laughs> What I wanted to do as well is, is just for our listeners, if they wanted to find out a little more about tourism in Nice mm -hmm. and find out more about the fantastic festivals that you've got and the different restaurants and the things that there are to do, we're best directing them to, um, I guess you have a Facebook page mm -hmm. on Nice Tourism. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you've got the nicetourisme.com website. Absolutely. Uh, I can attest is absolutely wonderful. Is there anywhere else that we should be directing people to? Well, uh, we're present on uh, all major social media, so uh, uh, not just Facebook, but also Twitter, Instagram, also, uh, especially for, for those who, who like to see pictures um, of the destination. And then uh, we have a wonderful YouTube channel also that I really, really recommend, yep. Nice Côte d'Azur Tourism. Um, and uh, so you'll see our own video clips, but also video clips but made by uh, lots of uh, bloggers and, uh, and, and press from, from all over. So, uh, so it's really, really nice having a look there. Perfect. Um, yeah, and, and as you rightly said, uh, the, the Nice Tourism website, we try to have it as comprehensive as, as possible, uh, featuring lots of information about uh, what to do, where to go, what to eat, etc., uh, etc. Et so uh, awesome. you find quite a lot of information on there. Perfect, thank you. Um, so I'd like to, before we go, um, mm -hmm. I, want to, I want to hit you with some quick fire questions. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously we met up at the meeting show which was in London and I guess, uh, uh, you know, in your role promoting um, Nice Côte d'Azur tourism, you know, you must travel uh, quite a bit uh, around the world and around Europe mm -hmm. promoting uh, nice Côte d'Azur. So I just wanted to know what's your, outside of Nice, what's your favourite city to visit and why? Uh, well, to be honest, I get to travel mostly uh, only to European destinations. I have some, some other colleagues of mine who rather cover the, the long-haul markets. So I'll speak mostly about Europe then. Um, what are some of my most favorite cities? Um, I, I probably wouldn't be able to, to bring it down to just one. So let me just shout out a few. Uh, Vienna is, is uh, one of the places I always love returning to and I always discover some, something new and exciting. Um, I also love Copenhagen and Budapest. Pest, oh, yeah, uh, and Madrid also. I have some a very emotional connection with with Madrid, having spent uh, four months there. Yeah. Oh, right. I, I, lo I must admit, I love Madrid. <laughs> um, it was that was one of my travel surprises, but we'll come on to that later. And um, best souvenir that you've ever come home with when you travel? Ah. Are you one for souvenirs? Do you collect souvenirs on your travels or? Not very much. At some some point, we decided with some some office colleagues that we'd uh, make a collection of of stupid magnets, but that never really caught on so much. So we gave it up again. 
probably the only thing that comes to my mind right now is that I think one of the last times I was in London, uh, I just had a few pounds left when I was at the airport and uh, didn't know what to do with them. So I was just looking around, shopping maybe for, for some last minute. And I found this pair of earrings and everybody tells me, oh, these are so wonderful. Where did you get them from? I love them. I'd like to get the same. And so uh, it's not a souvenir as such, but, but for me, it's well, I'm, it's emotionally connected now to, to one of my yeah. last trips. That's wonderful. <laughs> Talk about the fridge magnets. I, everywhere I travel over the years, yeah. uh, my daughters love the fridge magnets. They do, Every yeah. Time I go anywhere, I, I get these fridge magnets. Now, the fridge, by the way, is just covered with these magnets. <laughs> I don't know why, and I don't know what we're going to do with them, but anyway, <laughs> the kids love it anyway. Best hotel that you've ever stayed in? Hmm... Um, I, I remember staying once in Göteborg in, in Sweden in a, in a hotel that was actually on a ship and I really loved that experience and uh, probably one of the things that I loved most about it was uh, the gorgeous, gorgeous breakfast buffet <laughs> too. It's all about the food with you Nadia, isn't it? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Superb, what a great experience though, uh, you know, a hotel on a ship, I think that was pretty cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but then again, I'm also very much a camping person, so uh, probably just uh, waking up on a, on a campsite uh, and, and hearing the, um, what do you call them, the cicadas? Um, yeah, yeah. I, that, that sound to me is the sound of holidays. That, right, that, absolutely. You know, when they come out at night time and they can be sort of quite loud and in the evening, I just yeah. associate that sound with relaxing and holidays, <laughs> and for me it's just the most wonderful sound going. Oh, good for you, because I, I, I've heard that uh, some people try to sue also for, for uh, cicadas and, and frogs and, and whatnot to make too much noise for, during their holidays. That's insane. <laughs> that, that, to me, that's, that's, that's a real sort of part of it. Because that, like I said, that sound, because I think you don't get that sound in the UK, mm -hmm. that is the sound of being abroad, mm -hmm. of being somewhere foreign, somewhere different. Um, and therefore, for me, that's that sound. And I've got um, I've got one of these apps. I don't know if you go for the mindfulness at all, but you, it's mm -hmm. called Headspace. And there's mm -hmm. another one called Calm. And you can have different sounds that you listen to as you meditate. And for me, the sound of crickets or cicadas, that's actually what I use because yeah. that makes me that brings me to my happy place. You know. <laughs> um, when traveling, is there anything that you bring with you on your travels that you would never leave home without? any one item that you would always bring with you mm. to make life more comfortable or easier or more familiar or any reason? Well, to be honest, not really. Uh, I, I'm not much, I, I hate packing and I'm always like the packing my suitcase very, very last minute, very often on the morning itself. Even if I have to leave at 6am in the morning, I'm, I'm still packing in the morning. I can't stand pack, the idea of packing. And so I tend to, to forget even the most important things. I think last time I, I went away, I forgot to bring any underwear with me. So, um, no, I don't really say, uh, <laughs> that there's this one item I have with me all the time. <laughs> no, fair play. I, I, again, it's funny, I'm exactly the same. So my, my wife would, she would actually start packing a week before she travels anywhere. <laughs> the process. For me, I, I leave it till absolutely the last minute. And as yes. you said, I actually accept now that I will forget something. It's just <laughs> a matter of how important the thing that I forget is. Um, I've forgotten my toothbrush on more than one occasion. Yeah. I've forgotten my passport only once, <laughs> which oh. was pretty, 
which was pretty bad. That, no, yeah. it's, it's that it's that mantra of you know tickets, passport, money. Once I've got those, anything else I can probably buy when I'm there. Forgotten my tie yes. before, you know, stuff like that. But, <laughs> um, yeah, there's there's, there's always going to be something. Do you have a special <laughs> item that you bring with you every time? I don't think so. I don't think. I think it's it, it's it's something as mundane as you know my my iPad and. And my phone it would be the most essential, and my headphones, obviously, always headphones, so I can listen yeah, to music yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, no, there's, there there isn't any for me. There, there isn't any one thing that I you know would have to leave home without. For the for the most part, I can acquire anything on my travels, but I'm not. I I, I mean, I have um, I've got something which is a, a photograph of me and my wife on our wedding day, uh, which I always keep in my wallet, and that. I sort of I, I view that as a bit of a uh, a good luck charm or something. If I hadn't, if I'd left my wallet or I left that behind, I'd feel uneasy for no real reason. You know, it's oh, just strange. that's so romantic. Yeah, Very yeah. good. <laughs> well, I'm not even that a romantic a person, but it's just that that's important to me. But um, yeah, it's strange. But some people, other people that we've you know we've interviewed on the podcast series, you know, they've got yeah. certain things that they just have to you know travel with this one particular item. It's. Um, <laughs> It's bizarre. Um, next one, your biggest travel surprise. What I mean by this is if there's been any city or destination where your expectations haven't been especially high, mm -hmm. and when you've got there, you've just been really pleasantly surprised. You've been like, wow, I had no idea, and I wasn't expecting this. This is pretty awesome. Have you yeah. had any of those? Um, at least the most recent one when uh, was uh, earlier this year when I traveled to Cologne and I uh, remembered having been very briefly in Cologne before but basically f um, just to the train station or something and so when I rediscovered Cologne and I had a, a, a little hotel that wasn't so good by the way but it was just by the Rhine River and um, I really really enjoyed my time there even though it was for work and I didn't have much uh, much time to myself but uh, I really rediscovered the city and, and told myself I have to go back there at some point uh, with, with my family. And there's a, I, I saw there's the chocolate museum, there's the cathedral, of course. There's a, there seems to be plenty to do, big parks and, and plenty, yeah, pl plenty of nice outdoor spaces too. So uh, I definitely have to go back to Cologne because that was quite a nice surprise. Awesome. I love that. I've never been to Cologne myself, uh, but I met someone from the Cologne Tourist Board recently and they were saying, oh, you know, you must come. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I love that. I love that feeling though when your expectations aren't particularly high. To be fair, yeah. the first time I went to Madrid, mm -hmm. I, I I didn't know what to expect in Madrid, yeah. and and I didn't really have any huge expectations, and that absolutely blew me away. And I just <laughs> I just remember coming back thinking, why haven't more people told me that I must visit Madrid because it's just utterly stunning. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I, I, you know, I couldn't possibly imagine, actually. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you on that. Yeah. Uh, probably my expectations weren't that high either when I first went. I uh, went there because I had an internship for, for four months. And so we basically just left uh, France and, and, and went over there uh, without any expectations as, as such. And was also, as you said, just completely blown away by the kindness of the people also, yeah. by, uh, by the, the marcha, so the, the, the idea of, of going away. And even at three o'clock in the morning in the midst of winter, there's still plenty going on in the streets and everybody partying and, uh, and enjoying life. That was really something, yeah, I, I really enjoyed. <laughs> I think it's, it's true, isn't it, though, that the, the people make the destination in, in, in many cases, I think. Absolutely, I agree, yeah. 
finally, well, I suppose sort of two questions really. If if you could be anywhere else right now, like magic, where would you be? Anywhere in the world? <sighs> I'm not sure summer season is the best uh, season to to travel there to, but uh, I've never been so far to uh, to South America, and yet uh, all these names: Mexico, Peru, Chile. They sound like Zanzibar to me. I. I... <laughs> Bolivia, uh, yeah, you name it. So uh, I, I definitely will have to take uh, six months or a year off at some point to just to, uh, go uh, backpacking throughout uh, throughout South America, I think. Um, last, last of all, promise this is the, the last question now. Uh, where are you <laughs> off to this summer yourself? It's coming up to the, the sort of the summer season. I guess you'll be taking a, a well-earned uh, break and vacation. Uh, where are you off to yourself? Where am I off to myself? Well, it's not really that exciting, I'm afraid, but uh, uh, with my my son being on, on holiday and uh, us juggling between uh, grandparents on one side and on the other, uh, we'll be mostly, I think, driving back and forth between my parents' home, which is in southern Germany, and, uh, and our place here. So uh, it will be somewhere uh, in the midst between uh, Switzerland, Austria, and southern Germany. <laughs> oh, sounds lovely though. So you'll you'll have about two weeks doing that. Um, it will probably just be a week, a week and a half, and then the rest of the time we'll uh, just spend here at home and uh, do maybe some some day excursions into the back country because I'm still discovering this. Uh, this wonderful backcountry of ours that uh, is not just worthwhile in in uh, the winter time, but also in in the summertime when there is uh, plenty of wonderful outdoor activities from canyoning, via ferrata, uh, uh, and and yeah, plenty plenty of, of other outdoor activities that I personally enjoy very very much uh, doing. So yeah, <laughs> sounds sounds wonderful. Maybe um, maybe we should do another podcast um, later on towards the end of the year and focus on some of the areas around the outside of Nice, because obviously mm -hmm. what you're saying there, there's, there's quite a lot going out on, on around the outside of, of Nice City Centre itself as well. Right, yeah, that, that would be, I think, a terrific idea. We could focus then more on, on the backcountry with the, the cities such as uh, Vence and uh, Carros, saint Janet that have plenty to offer, uh, especially uh, for, for hikers and, uh, and other uh, outdoor enthusiasts, absolutely. Wonderful, wonderful. Nadia, I want to thank you so much for joining us on uh, this episode of Low Season Traveller Insider Guides. Really appreciate you taking the, the time out to tell us a little bit more about uh, Nice Côte d'Azur. And um, it sounds absolutely wonderful and I need to go back. And I'm sure there'll be quite a few other listeners that'll be keen to, uh, to go as well during the low season. So thank you Wonderful. again so much for your time. Well, I have to thank you, Jed, for, for letting me on, on this podcast. It's been wonderful chatting with you. It's, as you said, it was just a very relaxed and laid back chat. And uh, yeah, uh, please let me know whenever you come to, to the Côte d'Azur. I'll be more than happy to, to take you out and maybe take you a little bit off the beaten paths to, uh, to discover uh, also a different side of Nice and, uh, and some of the parts that we didn't get to, to address in, in this podcast, but uh, uh, from the Russian Orthodox Cathedral to, uh, to the uh, Roman excavation site, Seminalum, uh, in Sumir district, to many other places. There's really, really plenty to see and discover. It's, uh, it sounds wonderful. Maybe, maybe we'll do the next podcast actually live in Nice together. That'll be fun. Ah, absolutely. <laughs> over, over a glass I'm of wine as well. <laughs> Perfect. Nadia, have a wonderful day and thank you again. And there you have it. 
My thanks again to Nadia for sharing her insights with us this week. And you can find out more about the Côte d'Azur by visiting nicetourisme.com and of course following them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and all of the usual social media channels. Thanks again for your company this week. And if you are enjoying our podcasts, please don't forget to like, rate and share them with your friends and social networks. If there's a destination you'd like to see featured in this series, also please do drop me a line at jed at lowseasontraveller.com. We're the world's first organisation entirely dedicated to promoting travel during the low seasons in each destination as a means of alleviating the growing burden of over-tourism. And that's why our content will always be free for everyone, as we believe that travel is better without the crowds. <laughs>